0: Well Christmas is finally here. Who's happy? Kids? Are you happy that Christmas is finally here? Yes. Who's opened some presents this morning already? Oh, there's a few hands going up around the place. Yes. And so, did, did you get something that you really wanted? Yeah? Well how did how did people know how how, how did people know what to buy you? I mean if you got what you really wanted, how did they know? Did you make a list? Did you tell people did you make a list? Oh, you told your parents, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, some kids, they actually write lists and they, they send them to uh, this fellow called Santa Claus. I've got a couple up here on the, um, on the screen. Where are we? Here's, here's the first one. I oh, can't read that from here. <clears throat> it says, Dear Santa, this Christmas, I'm, a, I'm asking you for you to please half. oh, sorry, please help the homeless kids first, then I would like Disney's, Disney Rocks on Ice tickets, art stuff, new clothes, a new quilt for my bed, a skateboard, a book, stuff, (laughs) and some kind of doll. This is easy to read on my computer, it's not so easy to read on a screen all the way back there. That's quite a list, isn't it? What about this next one? Dear Santa, how are you and the reindeer doing? I'm doing fine. I want a new football game and football because my little brother always tries to steal mine. He may look sweet, but he's the devil. (laughs) I also want a remote control truck. Love, Evan. P.S. How do you get into my house at Christmas? Mm. Or this one. Dear Santa, I want a real puppy this year. Not like the fake one you got me last year. (laughs) Please don't forget, even if Mummy and Eric say no, thank you, I love you. (laughs) This one's probably from someone feeling a little bit guilty that he probably didn't have a very good year. Dear Santa, I'm so sorry for what I did. Do you forgive me? It's signed Duncan. (laughs) P. S. Look on the back of look on the back of the paper. And this one? Dear Santa, this is, a, this is a kid of his age. Dear Santa, please text my dad. He has my whole list. <laughs> Last one, dear Santa. Santa, if you bring presents with batteries, bring batteries. <laughs> yes, bring batteries. Lists. You know, I think when it comes down to it, all of us have got something that we would really like for Christmas, don't we? It might not actually take the the the, the shape of a, of a present wrapped, you know, nice and neatly underneath the Christmas tree, but we've all got those desires in our heart, those lists that we would like. Perhaps could be uh, a rest. You know, you've been longing for a rest. It's been a long year, and uh, you're all feeling very very tired, and you just love this time of the year now that you know sort of things have finally, uh, you know, you've finally got all the the presents and, and done all the shopping and that sort of stuff. It's time to have a rest. Perhaps it could be a holiday, eating some yummy food. Perhaps it's spending time with family and special friends. Or it might even be a better behaved brother or sister. We may not write our list down, but we all have our lists in our minds and on our hearts, don't we? The question I got for us this morning is this. Is will these things, this, this list, these lists that we have, these things that we desire in our hearts, will these things actually really make us happy and content? Will they actually really lead to us having a fulfilled life? I mean, these are the things that we might want, but are they really what we desperately need? This morning, a Bible reading tells us, uh, uh, talks of two people. Both of whom were waiting expectantly for something, or someone, and their names were Simeon and Anna. They'd both been waiting an incredibly long time. These guys were both fairly old in age. We we're already we're told that uh, that that that, that uh, the prophetess Anna was a widow until she was 84, and then she's you know she. Um, and uh, you know she uh, she didn't depart from this. Well, she was a lady who uh, you know had seen many many things in her life. She'd lived many many years, and through that time she was waiting expectantly for this person to arrive. Simeon as well. We're not told exactly how he is, but we uh, anticipate that he's quite an elderly man as well. It's interesting, when, we come, when it comes to the Christmas story, we often think of you know, Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and things like that, but we don't often speak of Simeon and Anna. They didn't actually meet Jesus there at the manger. They actually met Jesus at the temple, God's special place of worship in Jerusalem. And Luke, the gospel writer, tells us of this particular uh, this particular uh, account when he uh, says, "And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they, that is, Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord." When Jesus was about six weeks old, Mary and Joseph take him into the temple in obedience to God's commands. God had commanded that uh, you know that uh, that a child should be brought a uh, uh, a child of around about six weeks of age should be brought to the temple in order to be uh, presented to God, and that presentation basically involved a thanksgiving, of thanking God for the life of this child, and also uh, in uh, in the Jewish custom, the the the, uh, the first born male child was actually to be dedicated to the Lord and in in service of God. There it was, it was Mary and Joseph's expressed desire that, uh, that their son would bring glory to God first, that they would serve him above all else. And Mary and Joseph coming to the temple in this particular day was a, was a way of them actually expressing to God how much they loved him through their obedience to his commands. And when they arrive at the temple, they go into the, uh, the kind of like the outer court. So the temple was a, a huge big building, but it had all these kind of little precincts around it and what they called the courts and the various places, you know, um, in terms of distance the temple you could get. So you could, only the, uh, the men of the day could actually go right up and in, in actually go close to the temple. Then the next court out of that was the uh, temple of the, uh, the women and the temple of the Gentiles and people and, and things like that. So there was this kind of like separate, stages of separation from the temple. When they arrive at the temple, it's here that they meet this fellow Simeon. We're told that Simeon loved God very much. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem, verse 25, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ." Simeon loved God very much and he was very close to God and he often visited the temple to pray. And it was perhaps during one of these times that actually God's Holy Spirit showed Simeon or revealed to him that, that, that he wouldn't die until he actually saw what is referred to in our passage as the consolation of Israel, verse 25. That's a pretty strange kind of a term, isn't it? The consolation of Israel. I not about you, but when I often think of the word consolation, I always think of it in terms of, you know, prizes. And the consolation prize is always the prize you get when you don't get the main prize. It's always, you know, the, the second class prize, isn't it? The, the, the prize that isn't quite as good as the main prize. But what the term actually means is it actually means comfort, as in to console someone. The people who need consoling are often people who are sad. They've experienced something that's unpleasant. The people of Israel in Simeon's day, they were doing it incredibly tough. They were under the, uh, the uh, oppression of the, uh, the ruling Roman authorities of that day. Rome was, the, uh, was the, the big military power. It was the world power of the day. And, and they'd you know, conquered all these different countries and, and Israel was one of those countries which they conquered. And, and they'd come in and the people of Israel were basically living under this oppression. And people lived in fear because the Roman army, were, they were a ruthless, brutal army. And anyone who stepped out of line, then people were in serious trouble. Not only that, there was a lot of poverty in the land. There was corrupt politicians. There was wickedness, you know, that that was being done by, by by Jewish people to other Jews. People who were, you know, sort of thought, you know, the best way to survive this kind of oppression was actually to work for the enemy against their fellow brothers and sisters, you know, the fellow Jews themselves. So there was a lot of suspicion. And there was a lot of hatred towards one another. It was a pretty awful kind of a place to be living in Jesus' day. That Simeon knew that God had promised to send a saviour. He knew his Jewish history. He knew the scriptures. He knew the promises of God. And he knew that God had promised to send a saviour, a king who would one day come and set up a new kingdom, a kingdom where, where peace and harmony would reign a gracious and compassionate king would come and he would be a king who would deeply have, have deep care and concern for his people, not like the corrupt and, and evil politicians of the day, not like the brutal and ruthless Romans of the day. But he would be a king who would come and bring about a, a, a kingdom in which people would be free, where no one, where no one would go without, where, where people would have plenty. It would be a kingdom filled with blessings and great joy. That's the kind of promises that, that, that some of the people in Israel were holding on to. This was the consolation of Israel that they so desperately were waiting for. But then, all of a sudden, there was a, there was a silence for about 400 years. No one, there was no more promises of God that were spoken for 400 years. And the people were wondering, well, you know, is God ever, ever going to speak again? Is this person ever going to come? And God had said to Simeon, you know, Simeon, you're not going to die. You're going to see this person before you die. And Simeon knew that God's people, Israel, had turned their backs on God and that many of the hardships that they were enduring were because of the people's rejection of God. But Simeon also knew that God was true to his word and that he would keep his promises. And so Simeon was waiting for this king. As it turned out, God prompted Simeon to go to the temple at the same time that Mary and Joseph had come to the temple with the baby Jesus. And when Simeon saw the child, he couldn't contain his excitement and his joy. Look at verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. It means he, he came led by God into the temple at that particular time. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples." A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Can you imagine the absolute shock and amazement on Mary and Joseph's face as this, this man just walks over and grabs the, the infant Jesus out of their arms and starts praising God for it? And Simeon knew that this child was no ordinary child. No ordinary baby. But this was indeed God's king who had finally come. And Simeon, probably having lived you know, a fairly long life, wondering, I guess, you know, in, in the back of his mind, actually wondering, can God really be trusted? You know, God said, yes, I'll, I'll see his Christ before I die, but, but can, can I really trust God? After all, you know, God's been silent for so, so long. And God prompts him in his mind and his heart, and says, "Simeon, that's the child. That's the King. That's my King, and He's come." And you can almost sense this kind of joy in, in Simeon's heart, where not only in seeing the child, but all of us, but, but, but also just that, that reassurance in his heart that God can be trusted, that God's promises are true. And that he can now go to meet his Maker because he's ready. He's he's ready for that. He's seen. He's seen that God's promises are true in this child. God's salvation had had arrived. Simeon's wish list was complete. You know the most amazing thing about Simeon's wish list? It only had one thing on it. (laughs) One thing. And that was to see Jesus. And Simeon goes from praising God to then prophesying for God, to speaking, declaring God's truth to people. And see that in verses 32 and 34 to 35 where he says, you know, this is this child is going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And he goes on to say that, uh, you know, speaking to Mary, he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon says that this child Jesus would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Gentiles, by the way, were people who were just non-Jews, so everyone else. There were the Jews and then there was everybody else. And they were just lumped in, in this, uh, this category called Gentiles. And what Simeon is saying here is that this child Jesus would reveal the truth about God, a light... A light of revelation revealed the truth about God to people, to, to, to the people who were not Jews, who, who were outside of the, the, the covenant people of God. It or, or, Had it always been God's plan to bless people of, of all the whole world, not just a specific tribe of a, of a specific nation, oh, sp- sorry, sp- a specific people of a specific nation, but that God's plan had always been to bless the whole world. And he says, this child would be a line of revelation. He would reveal the truth about God. He would reveal the truth about God's creation and the fact that it's been spoiled. And he also revealed the truth about us, God's, God's creatures, us made in the image of God, but that, that image has been, has been spoiled itself as well, that we are broken people. And he would reveal about the the plan as to how God was going to fix things. How God was actually going to put things right in his new kingdom. That God would remove the spiritual blindness from our eyes in order that we may see God's glory and his purpose for us as his creatures, as his creation. Not only would this child Jesus be a light of revelation to the Gentiles, but he would also be the glory of Israel. He would be a Jew that would, that would come to save the world. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, we as Australians, we love our sport, don't we? And we, uh, you know, when, when we have a, a, a person from Australia who's actually a world champion or something like that, we, uh, we're all, it's as though we are world champions ourselves. We sort of really glory in that person. He becomes the glory of Australia, if you like, because of what he's achieved. Well, Jesus was going to be the glory of Israel in the fact that he was going to be this special person, this person lifted up above everyone else, and he was going to be a Jew. And again, that was all part of God's plan, that he would come from the nation of Israel. Simeon goes on to say that he would bring about the rise and the fall of many. And basically what that means is that depending upon whether someone embraced Christ or rejected him would result in that person either being blessed through being a part of, this, of God's new kingdom or cursed from, by being excluded from God's kingdom. They would rise, they would lift people up or people would fall, they'd be a stumbling block. Depending on how they saw it, how they saw Jesus, and he would be a sign that is opposed. Speaking of the fact that many would reject him. Of course, we don't have to uh, look too far today to see many, many people in our world today rejecting Jesus. But that's always that's always been the case. Right from the very time that he was born, that he entered into the world, people rejected him. And that in itself was prophesied in, in, God's, in God's Holy Bible, in, in the Scriptures. And ultimately, that rejection would lead to his crucifixion. But of course, that was all part of God's plan. And of course, that would be the sword that would pierce Mary's soul to see her son nailed to a Roman cross. And finally, Simeon says that the thoughts of people's hearts will be made known through their response to him. See, the softness or hardness of a person's heart when it comes to God is actually revealed by how we actually respond to Jesus. Do we see him as just being just I don't know, just a part of a a mythical kind of a story? Or do we actually see him as being God's saviour and king? The actual true quality of our hearts towards God is actually revealed by how we respond to Jesus. Simeon really knew that the destinies of all mankind, you and me alike, are really tied to this child, Jesus. He looked upon that infant there in the temple on that day. He knew that the destinies of every single person who would ever live would be tied to this child. Well, adding to the Simeon's testimony is that of Anna. And she's referred to as a prophetess here in our passage. It says in verse uh, in verse 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband only seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour she began to give thanks to God and speak to him of all sorry, and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem. This woman Anna, who also loved God incredibly deeply. And she too, along with many others, were waiting expectantly for the arrival of this king who would bring about this new kingdom. This kingdom of great joy and peace. And as she perhaps either, either hears Simeon's praises, as Simeon grabs that child and starts you know, declaring God's praises you know, loudly there in the temple, or whether or not God had actually revealed to her that this child was indeed the one she had been waiting for, she also, she also then launches out in praise of God and tells others the good news Of his salvation, that God's salvation has arrived. And you can just sense, you know, the incredible joy and elation in her heart from her response in seeing this child. When Jesus. When Jesus' birth was first announced, when he first sort of you know when 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 you know God sort of first started to to speak again after that four hundred silent years, it was through angels. The angels appearing to uh first Elizabeth to talk about the birth of John the Baptist, and then to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus Christ, and then to the angels and then to the shepherds out there in the fields when Christ was born. God had used angels, but now he's actually using two ordinary people to declare the praises of Christ, to announce that this king, this God's new king has arrived. They'd seen God's saviour and king and they were overcome with great joy because what their hearts so deeply desired, what they so desperately longed for, God gave them. It's a beautiful uh, verse in Psalm 37 and verse 4, and I think it speaks very much of Simeon and Anna's, uh, um, their, uh, their experience. Psalm 37 verse 4, some of you might know it, it, says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight! Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Simeon and Anna delighted themselves in the Lord and he gave them the desires of their heart. So what do you want for Christmas? What's your heart's deepest longing? What God really wants us to know and understand this morning above Anything else is this, is that there is only one, there is only one who can truly bring meaning and purpose, fulfilment and contentment to our lives like no other. Today you might go home and you might, you know, round un- underneath your Christmas tree with families and that sort of stuff and you'll unwrap presents and they'll, you know, for a little while those presents will be the greatest things that you've ever received perhaps. Or they'll be really, really special but all of it, but very, very quickly they'll lose their shine and luster and they'll, and you'll be wanting something else. Today, you might spend time with family and friends. You might eat some great food. It might be a beautiful day. But tomorrow's another day. And we go back to normal everyday life. What's going to be enough for you in that life? Only Jesus can be that. Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional. See, through Jesus coming into the world, God has brought about his new kingdom. It's come in Christ. And although we don't see that kingdom in all of its fullness right now, God is calling people today to come and be a part of that kingdom. His new good and glorious kingdom. Man, that's the greatest gift ever. And he wants you to be a part of it. But the only way we can be a part of that is by seeing Jesus as not just a baby, by seeing Jesus as not just part of some kind of cosmic fairy tale, but by seeing Jesus as God's appointed King, who has come to reign and who wants to reign in your life. And he wants us to submit humbly to him, to bow our knee before him, to embrace him as God's free gift to us. And as we do that, we will know that joy and peace that we also desperately have in our hearts, that we long for in our hearts. There are all kinds of things me, me, we, we may want for Christmas but there is only one thing we desperately need and that is Jesus. God's gift of himself to you and to me the means by which we are reconciled to him. And I trust that this Christmas you'll not only know of Jesus but you'll receive him into your heart and life today and always. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, uh, forgive a blubbering man man up here. (sighs) If only we could grasp the incredible elation and joy in Simeon and Anna's heart. that same joy and elation that comes only when we realise that what we desperately need in our lives is Jesus and that you have sent him into our world for us. We thank you so much that seeing all of our brokenness and seeing all of the devastation and hardship and tragedy and, 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 and hardship that goes on in our world today brought about through man's sin, our greed and our selfishness and things like that. Lord, you could have just left us in the midst of our mess. But instead you came down in order to get into the mess with us, that you might lift us up out of it. Help us to be thankful for that. And help us this Christmas to enter into that real joy found only in Christ. Amen.